bad. Has now been around for three seasons and coaches everywhere are saving time and being more efficient when it comes to scout cards. Coach Robinson from Texas says, the thing I most enjoy is the ease of access to all the scout cards and how I can draw on them if I need to make any changes. Every coach that uses it says that it is so great to use. If you and your staff are tired of the old ways of preparing and using scout cards, check out thecoachpad.com to start enjoying scout team and making the 2023 season better than ever. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Uh, today we have the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at Mid Valley High School in Pennsylvania. Uh, co- uh, coach George Pachusi. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great, Coach. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem. Um, I mean, kind of before we get started, and, and like I said, it's a snow day for me, so I kind of just put it out there if anybody wanted to come on. Um, but uh, kind of how did you end up as the offensive coordinator at Mid-Valley? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, I played uh, high school football in Pennsylvania, um, and then I played at Susquehanna University, which is a, a D3 school in Central PA. Um, played there for two years and unfortunately got hit with the injury bug my my junior or pardon me my sophomore in, in junior year um, and they had me join the coaching staff immediately after that so I was the assistant quarterbacks coach for a year my senior year I was the tight ends coach they gave me a recruiting area the whole bit it was it was awesome it was great experience um, and then I got hired in in 2016 that staff got let go um, I got hired by the new head coach in 2016, um, or pardon me, 2015 for the 2015 and 2016 season. Um, and then I left coaching for a little bit. I was I was out of it for about three years. I was doing a couple different things. Um, I was working for my family business. Um, I actually played in a band that that toured most parts of the U.S. Um, not, <laughs> not anything crazy, but fun. Um, and really it all stemmed because my, my family business needed help back home. So... Uh, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, I, I left it to, to kind of come back and help that. Um, and then in 2020, when everything sort of shut down, we own a restaurant. So we, we really weren't doing anything. Um, my dad was a former high school coach and a former college coach. And one of his former players um, took over at Mid Valley High School. Uh, knew I coached, has known me since I was, I was young um, and asked me if I would come aboard. And he's like, look, I have one more paid position. I know, you know, the restaurant's struggling. I know you're not out playing music right now. You know, would you want to come and do it? And I, I really thought it was going to be, you know, one in, one season and done. Um, but I came on, we we struggled through the first year because um, it was really hard taking over during COVID. It was brutal. Like we, at one point you couldn't practice with footballs. Um, our huddle was like, you had to be six feet apart in the huddle. So it was like, you know, pretty much hash to hash. Um, but I fell in love with the kids. I absolutely love the kids and our program and our community. Um, and he actually got me a, a substitute teaching job in the school, which then I went back and got my teacher cert. And now I'm a teacher and a, a coach and I love it. And I really wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so I've been there since 2020. This is going into my fourth, uh, full season as the offensive coordinator there, um, after having coaching for college for three years. So it's like my seventh year coaching overall. Okay. Now, now, I mean, you, we mentioned talking back and forth that, I mean, you're, prior to you getting there, 
um, the school was a wing T school. What is it? What was the initial? And, and obviously, it didn't help. That it was during COVID. But what was the transition like from being a wing T team to a multiple offense team? Yeah, it's a really good question. We, the, our first year there, we weren't really sure. By the time I had already signed on, um, the head coach had installed a, a bit of his system right in, into the program. So. The, my first year really wasn't my system. We were kind of using his terminology, his blocking assignments. And, you know, everything was just a little bit different. Um, but really the biggest transition that we had was not not so much the rule system. Like there was still a rule system in place, but it was it, it was with the terminology, how we called things, right? So, you know, your rules for, you know, buck sweep or belly in, in the wing team might be gap down back or whatever it might be, Right. Well, we were making essentially the same rules or same calls, but using different terminology. So one of the biggest things that we had to do in 2021 after the 2020 season, because we really changed twice. We went wing T, we went to this offense that our head coach had partially started installing. And then we kind of scrapped it in 2021 and started really from scratch. One of the things that we did over the course of those years was build essentially a glossary of terms like, okay, you know, what do we want to call this block so that every time anyone in our offense talks about this block, this is what we're talking about. Because it was like, we might've been talking about a down block and now we call a down block, a pin block, but some people were calling it a pin block. Some people were calling it a back block. Some people were calling it a down block. So everybody was saying the same thing, but when you were actually coaching the kids, they had no idea what you were talking about. Um, so that was probably the first biggest hurdle. And I think the second biggest thing was actually lining our kids up and they had kind of gone through a couple systems themselves before they landed on the wing tee. Like they were like kind of a spread team. And then they went to like single wing stuff. And then the last three or four years before we got there, they were wing tee. But most of those players, they had never lined up in an I formation or in a spread formation or in open trips or no trips. So a lot of the the stuff formationally that we were talking about was just different. And so it took them a, a while to get used to that, a while to get used to how the play was called. But most of it was a, a terminology, you know, kind of dictionary definition hurdle more so than anything else. Um, so, yeah, that was probably the biggest or, or hardest transition that we had to make, especially coming from a system where everything is so neatly organized and categorized and, and put together and plays are called a certain way and plays are you know, somewhat simply called, like, I think that was kind of hard to break out of some of that stuff to to do what we were trying to do schematically. Um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of the first big hurdle. Okay. Now let, let's transition to it. Like, obviously year two, you essentially start implementing your system. How would you define or describe what you do as a multiple offense? That's, that's really tough. So as a young coach, one of the things that I struggled with very early on was I wanted to do everything. You know, we had seven different ways we ran counter. We had dive inside zone trap, you know, you name it. We had, you know, 12 run plays and probably 20 pass plays that we were trying to run. And I think you quickly learned that you can't do that at the high school level. It's just, you, you don't have enough time to, to sort of make it work. So really when we were in that transition year, you know, so we had 2020, um, which was our first year, which was, you know, we, we changed a lot of things going into 2021. We really sat down and said, okay, what do we want to be great at? Like, what are our bread and butter plays that we could run no matter what and get three yards? 
um, so we very be quick quickly became um, an a gap power base team. So we were we were going to run power. We were going to run a gap counter. Um, that was going to be our philosophy in terms of running the football. And then our secondary runs were going to be any inside zone or outside zone with RPOs and bootlegs off of them. So all of our bootleg series came off of our outside zone. And then in the past game, we said, okay, so we have these little RPO kind of trinkets that we have pulled in. What else do we want to do? What's our play action game going to look like? What's our drop back game going to look like? What's our quick game going to look like? And really what we did was we kind of went in between different systems and said, okay, I really like that concept. I really like how they teach that concept. What other concepts can we teach like that? So for instance, you know, we put in Y cross, which is an air raid staple. And the way that they teach the traditional progression of the Y cross is, you know, you peak the deep ball to number one, then you go to the out route and then the cross and then the backside dig. So it's a true progression read. And our kids were able to pick that up. They understood it. It made sense to them. So we said, okay, maybe now we teach, you know, our old over under concept like that. Maybe we teach our waggle concept like that. So it helped us to kind of bridge different systems together or bring different systems together based on just the things that we liked and our kids did well. Um, so I, I kind of like to tell people we're a, a pro style multiple offense who's no huddle and has spread elements, right? And, you know, people look at me and our, our first year there, we we got a whole bunch of athletes to join the team because we were told, we told them we're running the spread offense. We're an up, you know, a no huddle spread offense. Well, they didn't know that we were trying to be no huddle, not to go quickly, but to save our kids legs. So they didn't have to run back and forth from the huddle. So that was number one. Number two, we were getting in 11 personnel with the, you know, the, the tight end in the, in the backfield, sort of like in the sniffer position. And then we were just running like 20 personnel run plays out of it. So, you know, why power, why counter inside zone, split zone. So we were like a two back team, but we had this, all of these athletes come out for the team because they thought we were running the spread. Um, so philosophically, I like the ability to take from a little bit of, of each different offense as we get in. Like for instance, from the wing T, all of our motions, all of our misdirection, that is a huge element of our offense that comes directly from the wing T. Um, my dad was actually a player at Delaware in the late seventies for Tubby Raymond. So he's like a big ring T guy. So a lot of our stuff that we'll do from the gun. Um, I know Kenny Simpson does a lot with like the gut, his gun T series. We're doing a lot of that stuff, you know? So it's, it's wing T, but it's in our, in our terminology in our system. So when I say multiple, I, I really do mean multiple. We're picking the parts of the different offensive systems that we come across and we're we're taking what our kids can do the best from them and implementing them into our system. That's our philosophy is, okay, hey, we really like the way, you know, gut trap looked in, in from this wing T look. Great, let's run it. Let's put it in. And the what I would caution most coaches about is that the overload can happen really quickly. You're watching a game on Saturday and you're going, yes, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. And all of a sudden you're putting in, you know, hundreds of plays. I started making a list of concepts that I like and wanted to run and wanted to implement. And then I was like, okay, how can we group these together and simplify it for our kids? Because the overload at the high school level happens much quicker than it does, you know, even at the junior college level or at, at, at the college level. So you have to be aware of that when you're trying to put new stuff in. Yeah. So with that, like, 
how have you simplified your scheme so you don't create the overload? Like, obviously, you mentioned you've reduced, okay, you don't have 12 runs anymore. But still, from a terminology standpoint, I mean, offensively and defensively, coaches talk about it all the time. Um, it's about reducing the verbiage and the word calls. And, like, I, I mean, I heard – I was I was listening at a clinic the other day, and somebody was telling a story about Kirby Smart, and one of the first things he did when he moved from Alabama to Georgia was to streamline the verbiage. Um, because again, with offenses nowadays, you, if you're in the middle, if they check and you're in the middle of a check yourself, you don't want to be get caught in the middle of something. So how have you streamlined your verbiage and what you do? So your kids don't have that overload moment. Great question. So the, the two things we really did, or, or I, I guess the first thing I should say that we really did was we put everything into what, what I would call buckets and each bucket had specific category that it belonged to so for instance all of our quick game thunder lightning lion dragon spider stick right they're all like elements of nature right so if you hear an element of nature in some way it should associate with with quick game right so everything is kind of broken down like that um drop back passes are cities um sprint out passes are mascots from those cities that kind of tie in with the the drop back concept stuff um all the runs are are boys or girls names right so you know we have zone you know zone right would be you know uh like ziggy is, is one of the codes that we use for zones so we kind of first broke it down into concepts and then what we did from there was we started eliminating we, we created a base concept right so say our base concept for counter was old school guard tackle counter okay that's one play. So we have six basic run plays that we install. And of those six plays, you get, you have your basic call for it. And then you have a list of tags that could be used with any play. So for instance, if I wanted to run counter read from the gun, I would say counter right. And our quarterback would know, okay, counter right. I'm reading that backside end. We're, you know, this is my footwork for it. This is exactly what we're doing. If I tag counter right slice, that means we're under center and the fullback is now kicking out that backside end. So we're not reading him. So what we did to simplify our verbiage was, okay, instead of calling this play a totally different play, we're going to call it counter and we're going to add a tag to it. Now it might've added a word or two here in a play call. Like for instance, that play call would be R under counter, right slice, right. Would be with the fullback going back to the other side, but it doesn't change anything for our offensive line. So our biggest thing was when, when we went from an all number system to an all name system, we had a kid one time, two plays in a row, it was 34 zone. So it was zone, right. Even numbers going to the right. He stepped left two plays in a row and he goes, well, coach, it's 34. Three is an odd number. I go left. I was like, I'm done. I'm not using numbers anymore. <laughs> I just can't, I just can't do it. So when we went to all, directional play call so zone left zone right power right power left whatever whatever run it might be we essentially just give them a set of rules to follow for those runs and then we tag something that changes the rules for one or two people's responsibility so now i could carry counter 
I could carry GT counter. I could carry GY counter. I could carry, you know, old school Redskin counter where we're, we're pulling like super counter where we're pulling everybody, but it's only one play call. I'm only teaching it as counter. And then they learn all these tags separately, which could be added on to any play. So that was kind of how we simplified it first to begin with. Um, and then our teaching process took over from there. So we sat down and we said, how many different concepts can we teach the same way? So for instance, our front side rules on power and counter are exactly the same. We block three fronts. We, we block an even front, we block an odd front, we block a bare front. Those are the only three fronts we learn how to block. So we keep the front side of power and counter the same. So when I'm going to put in power this summer with my team, we'll put in power and then the next day we're gonna put in counter. And all that changes is the back side of that. So we found all these little areas where teaching is very similar or very close. And we said, okay, we're gonna keep as many of these rules the same for our kids to learn so that it could be quick, it could be interchangeable and we could add a lot of variety without actually adding a lot of new scheme. And that, I mean, it brought us from, I think it was like 196 yards of offense per game in 2020 to like 345, just implementing like a new rule system and all, all this new scheme that was kind of hanging out. And, you know, that was a huge jump. It was, it was really beneficial for our kids. And I can't take credit for the even bear odd front and the, and the rule system that we use. I stole it from uh, Ray Dayton and Josh Pardini at Lackawanna College, which is a junior college in the Scranton area. Um, they do a phenomenal job uh, of installing it. Um, there's a clinic tape of it on CoachTube if anybody's super interested in it. I think Josh did it um, at like a West Virginia coaches clinic, but really it's phenomenal. And it, it really changed the way that, that we deal with, with run game type stuff. Now, uh, one other thing I want to ask you as we do this is, is I'm always curious on how teams install no huddle. Obviously everybody's got a different version. Yours is more of a slow tempo, but still keeps them out of the huddle. You signal everything. And I'm assuming um, but how do you, one, how do you teach it or, and when do you teach it during the summer? Um, and then two, uh, why do you know how to, yeah. Okay. So for, I'll answer the why part first, cause I think that's important. So our first year we did not, we were not no huddle. And there, there was two things that stuck out to me that was, um, detrimental for that. Number one, um, we're, we're small school. We have 40 kids on our roster. And I think of those 40 kids, we probably have about 15 to 17 varsity ready players. So kids are playing both ways. Um, and what was happening was our starting defensive back, he would cover a post, run back to the defensive huddle, go cover another long ball, run back to the defensive huddle. Then he would come over to offense. We would run a fade ball. You run and then have to run back to the huddle. So I started seeing our, our kids were getting super, super, super tired, right? And it was like, okay, how can we eliminate some of this movement for them? Well, the, the quickest way we thought of was eliminate the huddle, right? Don't don't huddle. Um, and we don't want to go fast because if you go fast and you get three and outs, your defense is right back on the field and you're eliminating that advantage you get um, by not huddling, okay? So that that was the first reason. The second reason was in the first game that we were competitive in our first year. So we had a, we had a rough first year. We were one and six in the first game we were competitive and we needed a two minute drive at the end of the half to tie up the score or get, get the score within, I think it was three, right? So we were there and we had a wristband system. So everybody looked at a wristband while 
Johnny couldn't see because the light was in his eyes. He couldn't see this and they couldn't read the play on the wristband. And we ended up going three and out because kids weren't like able to read their wristband quickly enough to, to move down the field the way we needed. So the, the two benefits for me are we get the additional rest. We can still control the tempo of the game. Like our base tempo, I don't want to snap the ball until there's 10 seconds or less on the play clock. Like I want to eat up as much clock as I could. And then number three, when you get into those situations where you need to go fast, you already have the tools in place to go fast. So what we do day one with our varsity team is we start our linemen right on the ball. Everybody else is one step back from the lineman. The quarterback and anyone who's in the backfield are three steps back from everybody else. And they quite simply turn and look at the sideline. Now, the offensive line at no point turns to the sideline. They are either strictly facing ahead, or if we call uh, we call it yellow tempos, like our base tempo, uh, white tempo for white for sugar is a sugar huddle. So they just turn around and now they're in like a, a little huddle right off of the ball. Um, one coach signs the live play in, so he'll sign everything, formation, motion, uh, play, protection, um, pass concept he signs in everything and then we have two dummy dummy signalers as well that will signal in um, obviously fake calls um, so we start doing that day one and we actually bring I, I'll never forget one of my buddies he's the offensive line coach at Colgate he came down to practice one day um, and he goes he goes you know coach we don't even use headsets at practice we're out there in headsets like we give our backup quarterback a headset we give our signaler a headset we give the other dummy signaler a headset and I stand behind the offense and call the play and they signal it in from the sideline, just like it is on game day. And that starts day one of June mini camp when we come out and we're, we're starting to put our offense in. Um, and then the play is then communicated to the offensive line via code. So, you know, like our first year, we also found our offensive line was getting confused about things that it didn't even really matter to them. Right. Like they would hear a play call, like our top action zone, right. Uh, Oklahoma and they'd be going hey what does Oklahoma mean it's like that's the pass concept you don't need to know about it you just need to know that the the pass protection is action zone right so even when we get into the sugar huddle you know if we're not like saying the play to them in, in our code system they're only hearing action zone right power right counter right slice right that's all that they're hearing so they they don't need to know about the other unimportant parts of the offense they're getting the play call our center's making the front id they're calling out their combo blocks and their rules and we're running the play, right? So it simplifies that process as well. The biggest difference is now the first time that we needed a two minute drive in 2021, when we had this system, I just sped up the play call and it got in quicker. And then we ran the play quicker. Um, so that that's why we do it. And that's kind of how we start installing it it's right from day one. And really, even in the off season, as we're talking about this stuff, you know, as we're installing it, you know, our, our first play that we put in is like old school ISO. Um, so as we're talking about ISO, 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 we, we call, we, we signal it in. That's the signal for ISO. So it's ISO, right. And they know, they see that, they know what the codes are. They see the signal. So right from day one, when we start talking about this stuff, even in the off season, as we're lifting, we're always talking about it from a, a signal concept. Now there's times in the game where we do huddle. If you watched us last year, we ended up huddling quite a bit because we had injuries and we had guys playing that weren't ready to be varsity players. So we needed to get them in the huddle and 
pretty much our quarterback told him exactly what to do on every play. Like there are limitations to the system. I'm not going to say that it's absolutely perfect, but in terms of being able to be also multi-tempo and use go, Hey, we want to go really, really fast. We want to go really, really slow. It helps to install it as no huddle right from the starter. At least we found that in our last couple of years there. Okay. I want, I want to ask you one more question before we go. Um, um, Cause obviously, and I should probably ask this when I ask the transition from the wing to the multiple offense, but what was the, I mean, you coach quarterbacks and you've coached core, you've worked in college and at the high school level. What was the biggest transition for, especially your quarterbacks that from going from a wing T system to your head coach's system, to your system, what was that transition like? What did you really have to focus on over that transition that took time, probably more time than you expected? Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing, in general. And I don't think that this is necessarily true for all wing T teams, but I do think it has at least the reputation of it. I mean, they were a big waggle team, right? They, they ran waggle three or four different ways. They had different concepts off of it, but in terms of actually dropping back and passing the football, that, that wasn't really in their philosophy. Um, and that's, that's nobody's fault. It's just the, the difference of the systems, right? Um, so I guess the the biggest hurdle to kind of overcome was getting used, getting kids used to throwing the football from the pocket um, and, and dropping kids back from the pocket. So the footwork required with that, the timing, the thinking required with that, um, that was probably the first biggest hurdle in terms of actual quarterback play. Now, in my system and in my philosophy, um, like the quarterbacks get, I give them the keys to the car. Like once you're named the starter, like it's, it's your show out there. Like you see something and you want to check it, check it. And I, I always use this as an example. We were playing in a district playoff game. Um, we were on our own four yard line. It was third and whatever. And I called the speed out just to try to get us a little room to get out. Cause we weren't, we couldn't run the ball up the middle on this team. And my quarterback saw something. There's two minutes left to go in the game. He checked to a fade and he hit a 96-yard touchdown pass. Yeah. He he did that because he felt empowered. It was a second year in my system. He trusted me. I trusted him. It was good. Now, this year, I, you know, he graduated after that season. We started a first-year kid here who's phenomenal. Great kid, great player, has all the tools to be great. But I gave him the keys. He made some mistakes with his checks, right? And we suffered because of it as a team. But guess what? He learned very, very well from those mistakes. And they did not have that freedom in the previous system. And that's, you know, not saying that you can't have that freedom in the wing T um, or in any system. You know, it's more of a coaching philosophy. But that was probably the, the next most hard, uh, difficult thing was, okay, I'm going to give you all of this freedom. But in order to have all this freedom, you have to prove to me that you understand what's going on, that you understand what we want called when, that you understand situational football. I think that was hard um, in terms of that. And then I think the third and final thing just in general was uh, footwork, just general footwork. And the reason I think with wing T players that sometimes it's hard to break them of, I don't want to say footwork problems because it, it's not, it's not a problem, but the, the, the specifics of the wing T, if you're doing it correctly, are so detailed. It's almost like listening to Bill Walsh 
talk about the difference between a three big, a three quick and a three tempo and, you know, when you want the ball out, but you know, their roles on 929 sweep are very specific. So they have very specific footwork patterns. So when you're bringing in a kid, when you're bringing in a quarterback, and this is kind of going into more like quarterback philosophy stuff, you know, every coach in America is like, well, I always start with the quarterback's feet. And I'm like, yeah, I do start with the quarterback's feet, but I also start with my quarterback's head. And we kind of start from both ends and work down towards the middle. So we spent a ton of time just doing ladder drills, cone drills, movement drills to get them comfortable with what they were doing in the pocket and how they were moving their feet and almost sort of deprogramming a lot of what they learned about, you know, wing T steps or how they wanted to drop back. Like most of their dropbacks in the system that they were in, they were, they were ending up over the guards. And that's just not how I, I teach things. I'm a, like a pocket guy. Um, it's really like a West Coast kind of protection system. So it's, you know, you have to be pretty much right in the middle of the pocket. So teaching a lot of that took took a real lot of time. And and even in the run game, like they weren't really reading anyone in the Delaware system. Like they weren't getting into any of like the trap option or belly option type of stuff. They were pretty much just keeping it, you know, in, in the, the basic vein of the offense. And when we started adding in zone read, or, you know, power read or counter read, that did take a lot of time to get them to understand, you know, why their body needed to be in a specific position, um, or who they were even looking at, really, because, you know, they weren't concerned with that in in the previous system, they were just getting up and and running the plays um, that were called. So I think those three things, like the the footwork thing was big, um, the, the ability to be comfortable throwing from the pocket and the ability to kind of give them that confidence to to be open in the system. I think we're probably the three biggest things during that transition period. Perfect, Coach. Well, coaches, if you want to uh, talk to Coach more about uh, his multiple offense, uh, tempo, quarterback play, uh, specific schemes, uh, give him a follow on Twitter. It'll be in the bio below. Uh, like, share, subscribe, all that lovely jazz. Um, check out our sponsor, Coach Pad. Otherwise, that is another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast.